Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. nerd i'm your host sarah belmont and with me as always is our mr producer will Pock. how are you doing tonight will doing very well sarah how are you doing this evening i'm i'm fine i'm here yeah hey welcome back welcome back it was weird i I guess that joke last week i felt like uh we've been through the crisis and somehow i was like in a new role on earth prime it was kind of weird being in the in the driver's seat but uh, i'm glad you're back welcome back Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate everyone uh, that we had our two amazing guest hosts on. So you had someone else to talk to if it wasn't yeah. going to be me. And and we had to get two. I mean, just so that you had multiple. <laughs> <laughs> I had multiple ideas, multiple thoughts. But yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah Veronica and Tasha were... Had lots of lots of great things to say about the crossovers, and uh, yeah, we're in, we're in a post-crisis world now. Yeah, but are we? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I guess. It, I guess. It, I guess it depends on the show. Maybe I should say that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It was, however, and and this is what I've been waiting for. Uh, a lot of listeners know. Leading up to the crisis, we were kind of at the point of, okay, get to it, get to it, get to it. (laughs) What is going on? And now that we're here, it's been a very interesting week of TV. It has been. Because you you know what to expect with these shows, but now that crisis is over, it's kind of like, okay, what are they, where are they going with this? And then slowly... And surely, as each show ended up dropping and airing their post-crisis episode, um, we, we've got some reveals. We got some twists. Each one is using it in their own way. It makes me extremely curious about The Flash returning. Yeah, yeah. I I spoke a little bit about what my, my theories on that last week as far as what they're going to adapt. I know they are definitely going to go the route that uh, Supergirl did last season and Arrow's done as well, which is to have a second big bad follow the follow the mid-season finale and, and in this case the crossover event with Crisis. So that's good. They're not right. going to try to stretch out the big bad all season long, which, I mean, I think Bloodwork po- possibly could have worked, but even it was starting to show yeah. its... its uh, limitations as far as a, a a major baddie for for a whole season as we yeah. as we led up the crisis so i'm glad that the new showrunner is is definitely going in a two baddies approach this season yeah yeah i it, it's i it makes the most sense in the world to do that um considering especially the emphasis the emphasis that was straight or placed on Barry Allen and his likely death in crisis, which we all knew wouldn't happen. Right. Except for him, apparently. And (laughs) (laughs) so, so it just only makes sense that he had a villain leading up into that moment. And then the aftermath, there's something else brewing. Um, but what more on that later, uh, because we do have a few news items to get to. 
as you texted me earlier, the Kenobi show that we have been in anticipation for for Disney Plus has really, really been yeah. on hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because like last week it was the it, it was like major trend on Twitter one afternoon and part of it part of it evening. I think last Thursday, I believe that uh, Kenobi was being canceled and everybody was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and, and there were some dubious sources of that story. And so most people just kind of laughed it off as like, well, you know, of course there's some people who believe, you know, in the, in the world of fake news, people fall for stuff, hook, line, and sinker all the time now. But most of, you know. I don't, I don't know if it's the world of fake news, but we've, I think a lot of us who are into these kind of shows have been scarred by the the demon that is DCEU and constantly telling us you're going to get this movie this year and then yeah. oh that never happens. Well there's that too. I mean there I mean there is some legitimate things that have happened in the past where you hear things are in development and then they just get delayed, but this mm-hmm. one was but this one was a straight up cancellation, and then of course, fast forward to today, uh, this evening, as a matter of fact, uh, I think Hollywood Reporter, uh, Collider, and some others were uh, definitely confirmed that uh, the show is delayed due to Kathleen Kennedy having some concerns with uh, the scripts that have been that have been written, and to to date, and so they yeah they have. Postponed indefinitely, I think, according to Collider. I think people, the production teams and stuff were sent home for a while until they get everything figured out. Uh, I think the Hollywood Reporter reported that uh, the show was going from now from six episodes down to four. So it's a developing situation. But I think given that it has been now reported by the trades and others uh, that the show is delayed we we can take it to the bank and you know i guess bigger picture you know this is sort of becoming a recurring theme in, in the star wars universe the studio and the, and the and the honcho over star wars kathleen kennedy having issues with creative decisions made by the creative staff right right i yes i don't i don't know i just at this point with Kathleen Kennedy, um, we, we all, a lot of us knew she was never in it for the, her own love of Star Wars. I mean, I never got that impression. It, it's a job and she's, she did it. She's doing it the way she knows how to. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say it like that. I, I do believe that, hey, d- despite what you think about the most recent trilogy, it made money. It yeah. made money. All and three, on- yeah. Yeah, all three of them. Han Solo failed. Rogue One did surprisingly well. Surprisingly yeah. well. So, so, and I, and I think a lot of the criticism is because, well, some of the movies, uh, we just are a bunch of completists, so we need to watch everything we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when the movies fail, it's partly script issues. So, because I'm not viewing the scripts, I can't say, oh, she's so stupid for doing that, or no, oh. she's exactly right. And that's the hard thing, yeah. because you want to paint her, people want to paint her as a villain because of the past trilogy and how devices they've been. But at the same time, she's also, she's had a lot of success. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, what, three? Okay, so when you think about it, she's she's been at the helm now of five feature films. Mm-hmm. Three of them made over a billion dollars. Two yeah. of them, for any other universe, would be a, a smashing success. Right. Financially. Right. She hasn't lost any money. We're, we're not looking at a Doolittle situation here. So, right, right. So, or in the DCEU situation. And I, actually, and, and you know that that narrative, even with the DCEU, really is only applying to the Flash now because overall they did the course correction and have been had had billion dollar films as well. So I think I think you have a good point about the scripts. Everybody's just pointing fingers and, and, and freaking out. And everything we really don't know. And you know, of course, the uh, over I guess. 
was it last week or two weeks ago, we had the supposed original script from what would have been the last Skywalker released. And, you know, many people, myself included, would have been like, hmm, this, this really probably would have been a better film. But, you know, we don't have that going that with Kenobi right now. So no, we don't because Raylo is canon. Please, everyone, just calm down. <laughs> okay? okay. All right. Don't let me go jump away go on you. Just kidding. <laughs> let me have it. All right. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. But yeah, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think given, I think maybe she is get taking a little pause, especially given how successful Mandalorian was with even, even after Netflix cooked the books on the, you know, their viewership numbers, but uh, it still was, it still is a very hot property and everybody's loving baby Yoda. And so, I mean, she, she has had a track record of success. So yes, they've had their issues with creative teams and directors going on, having to split over due to creative issues. But like you said, at the very beginning, Sarah, she's in this to, to, to make a, make a profit. And she's looking at this from a business standpoint. And if what she was seeing from a business standpoint, just wasn't getting a good feeling for it, then it's better to delay it than rush something out there and it'd be shit. Right. 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 Because two, two, three years from now, after it drops, and everything happens, and we say, wow, that, those were really strong episodes, better than Mandalorian, then, I mean, who's going to even remember that this was a thing? That's another thing. If yeah. it's a success, she's queen. If it's a exactly. failure, then it's, well, you shouldn't have to late. It's whatever. Yeah, and we yeah. spent way too much time on this really insignificant <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. In, in other news, Captain Marvel 2 has begun development. We all knew... It was going to get a sequel. It made over a billion dollars, despite what you think. Interesting, though. New directors. Yeah. And, you you know, the Russo brothers didn't direct the first Captain America film. They didn't. So, so there is something to be said for how Marvel does this, where you, you get a shot, but if it's kind of, if it's not a good fit for the progression, then you're not guaranteed all three films or how many with the character they intend to produce or like, like Edie. Yeah. yeah. Well, well he came on in the third one, knocked it out of the park and now yeah. he gets the fourth one. So, yeah. so I like this. I am very curious of who they are going to decide to direct it. Yeah. Um, and, and I do remember, I liked Captain Marvel probably more than other people did at the same time. There were parts where, I don't necessarily blame the writing. I blamed more of the directing where it just didn't work. It didn't have that extra. This is a character who like this. It didn't pack that Wonder Woman emotional gut punch. Right, right. Also didn't have Chris Pine's blue eyes. And I understand (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting with this project, too, is that they're bringing in her name is uh, Megan McDonald. She is one of the originally started out as a script writer for the new WandaVision show, which of course is getting moved up because they feel that it's really ready to go. And it uh, seems that they think it's going to have a very positive response. And uh, so she's, she's been brought in to, to write the script for this sequel to Captain Marvel. Which, you know, makes me infinitely more excited for WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And and I've um I did traveling over Christmas break and I watched I watched both Infinity War and um Endgame back to back. And I have to say what they do with Wanda and Vision in those movies it just takes them to a whole new level. So I I'm already prepped for WandaVision and um, I'm I'm getting excited for it, and arguably even a little bit more than Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know yeah. why. 
I, you know, I, I feel that way too. And which, and I don't know if it's because we got some of the still photos out this week from Falcon and Winter Soldier or or what. But yeah, I'm 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 at that place too where I I'm, I am getting excited for One Division. And also, I think given from what we've heard about it, it just seems very different. And and like you said, the the pairings that they had and and the way to develop that relationship in the films. I went from not really kind of mad about those characters to really like really engage with them as far as some of the secondary characters in the MCU films. Right. Yeah. I think they should just air infinity war on loop for 24 hours prior to them dropping WandaVision because Wanda is the heart and soul almost arguably of infinity war. Like Mm -hmm. she that moment when she actually has to kill Vision, sorry, spoilers, and <laughs> and you see it, and they like play it out, and it's all slow motion, and she thinks she won, and even then, it's bittersweet, like it's a tragedy, and yet, and then in an instant, Thanos takes it all away, and it's just like it's totally preparing her to have that mental breakdown, which I suspect is what's going to happen with Wanda. And then we're going to get those promised tie-ins to the Doctor Strange 2 movie. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, my I'm I'm full fully prepared for having a great continued Marvel year or marvelous decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the second decade of the MCU is going to be just as exciting as the first. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's it's great, you know. Um, I'm maybe it was maybe the year kicked off slowly, but I'm starting to it's starting to gain some momentum, you know. As crisis is over, shows start coming back from break, we get news about Marvel movies that makes us excited. Yeah, it's it's yeah. gaining momentum. It is. It is. So, in other news, oddly enough. Um, there was an interview that dropped and it's really interesting how anytime Stephen Amell is on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, it makes headlines. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and we end up talking about it because there, I don't know what Michael Rosenbaum does in that room, but for some reason you get the most raw version of Stephen Amell in both interviews. I listened to both back to back, by the yeah. way. Okay. Oh, you, so you listened to the original one from that he did last year? Before I even uh, listened to the new one, because I really wanted, because I knew what was going to happen in the second one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I so I really wanted to see hear the difference, you know? Right, um, right. And and you do like he is so much more calm in that original interview, and right off the bat, there is a there is an anger and aggression. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, listening to that second episode just proves how right we are. So we he was he was totally out of it for the second half of season seven. He hated it, and we knew it because his his acting went so downhill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it was re- astonishing. Yeah, yeah, but he rebounded in season eight because they gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> Even then, even then, he came back, but you and you heard it. Like, he knew he wasn't there for the right reasons. He wasn't really giving it his all. And then you hear about some of the logistics, and yeah. there was real anger when he said, on my death, during my death scene, they were trying to wrap two other actors so that when they shot my side, I couldn't, there, there wasn't nearly as... Um, there wouldn't be as good of a connection, a good of emotional punt. And, and you, and it makes me think, yeah, that's why it felt so awkward. That whole scene because Katie and Grant weren't there. (laughs) Right. Right. And this is the, if for, and this were obviously everybody, what Steven was talking about was the the first death, not the, not the, or was it the second death? I thought it was the second death. Yeah, it was the second death. It was the second death. That's right. Because yeah, they were trying, they, they both had to go, do their their shows and they were getting up on their hour 
working mm-hmm. hour break. And yeah, so it was it was so revealing uh, an interview. And you're right about the anger, because if you haven't listened to this interview, strongly recommend that you do. And, well, and, and do like, as I was about to say, and do what Sarah did, because I did not. Ha- I did not. But um, but just hearing the second interview, which actually is a really almost a two parter, because the the first the first thirty minutes of it he he does this podcast with Michael Rosenbaum who uh, folks will probably remember from small Lexus from Smallville and other things. Um, that anger was there. He was I think it was they had, he had just wrapped the show. He was back in L.A. and he he was just you could just tell in his voice everything. He was just emotionally just wrought wrung out and. I mean, and even they were getting into it. It was very deep too, because they were talking. They were building up to this moment where everybody. Well, you've probably seen the clickbait headlines about the the panic attack, and he did. I mean, it was building up to that, and and it was just very raw, Stephen. I I I love that moment when they're talking. And the next thing you hear is, am I sweating? Am I sweating? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it's and it's purely an innocent question. And then it escalates. And then they start to slowly fade out because clearly both him and Michael have gotten up and walked away from the microphones because they're concerned. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is so, there's something so pure about that moment. And it, it just... I, I like it. I deal with anxiety. I, I've never necessarily had a panic attack like that, but I've also, especially lately, I found myself constantly taking a lot of deep breaths mm-hmm. and just t- reminding myself everything's going to be fine because in this world these days, there's even more noise. And I'm just going to call it as noise and ever. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stress. Uh, no one likes to be an adult anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they ever did. But I there's there's a lot, and and it just I I liked it, and then I liked the the pause, the intermission, if you will, mm-hmm. and then you you get the aftermath, and yeah, and it was it was great. It was really it was. cool. Um, it talks a lot about psychology and just how we work ourselves to these points. Yeah. Um. Without even knowing it to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to admit when I when I was listening to that to that interview and and it 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 was almost it was I feel like not only was it therapeutic for Stephen and Michael, but it was also for me as a listener because, like you were saying, I've dealt with anxiety personally, professionally. I mean, there's just been a lot of things that's happened over you know in both my lives over the last few years, and I was just you know I was telling someone about, you know, you should really listen to this podcast because, I mean, it, it for me, I look back and and, and and it I had those moments too where it's just like, you know, I, I was I was like Steven. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and just and and I had my breaking point and, you know, I thought about those moments and then and then how he was able to like you know, Michael gave him the choice. He's like, look, we could just just bag that and just not do it or or we can proceed and and it was you know he decided to just like oh well, let's let's just you can air it and I, and I do want to come back and finish this interview with you and when and when he does come back and and he's had a few weeks off and I think it was just a couple of weeks ago when he recorded that the second part of the interview you, you could tell the difference and 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 again it was just really for me as a listener and it was it was just a, a real honesty about Stephen Amell that you just don't get from you know a lot of these staged interviews that you have you know whenever they're doing a little junket promoting a show or whatever and it was just really refreshing that he and and really spoke a lot about him as an individual to be willing to be that open and vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, the and. And it goes back to something that was brought up during the first half of the interview where he was explaining how frustrated he is, not just with the show, but 
with the fact that there's a lot of rumors about mm -hmm. who he is. Mm -hmm. And he, for from his perspective, he has done nothing to incite those and trigger those kind of that perception, but it's still happening. Yeah. And it just goes against him. And I, I sympathize with that, but at, there's also a little bit of me who says, well, you signed up for it, you know, because yeah. celebrities get criticized every day, every day. They, they, there's so much speculation about who they are. Cause we all want to know. I mean, someone like Stephen Amell, I've for the last, what, six, seven years, once a week, he's yeah. watching him on screen. I feel like I know him. Yeah. And and so so you you're you're vulnerable to that. But at the same time, as someone who views it's his job, and then you just perceive it as more criticism about how he's doing his job, especially because all the rumors are about how he is on set. Right, right. So so it's really interesting and um I don't, I don't know if they're true or false. I don't know about that because I'm out there and I don't even hear what the actual rumors are. But at the same time, when you listen to that interview and everything that he puts out there, it really does make you double, double think, well, those rumors can't be true, right? Like, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it, again, I can't, if you're a fan of Arrow, fan of Stephen Amell, or or even have a passing interest in, in in him as an individual, I I strongly recommend going to go listen to uh, the show's called Inside of You, and um, uh, yeah, I mean Michael definitely gets inside of Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I you know before you were saying it was therapy, um, I think it's also therapeutic for anyone who has watched or been a viewer of the, any Arrowverse show because there is such an insight you gain into that production, oh, whether yeah. it's Arrow, Flash, Legends, Supergirl even. you In both of the interviews, there is something to be said with how honest they are about that cycle. And also, this is not just Arrowverse. Arguably, it's CW and the way they produce their shows because Michael relates to a lot of what Steven says, yeah. particularly because he was on Smallville. Same same um, studio. So mm -hmm. so just as a viewer of TV and people who are curious to really get inside and behind that curtain and understand the production, I think you can garner a lot of insights to just what they do in yeah. Canada all the time and how brutal it is on someone's mental state and their physical state and their relationships with their family. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And why why these actors really do when they have their breaks, you're not seeing them in other projects because they just need that time to recharge. Right, right. It, it's... 23 episodes is no joke yeah. no joke it is not a walk in the park it is practically an, a production for maybe uh, three quarters of infinity war <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know but man i just it it was i i do apologize for not being here last week to talk crisis however silver lining from my for me Crisis is arguably the worst crossover that they've ever done. <laughs> you're not alone. You're not alone there. You're not alone there. I, the last two hours that we waited, waited, Will, weeks to see, was so bad. It was like, yes, Ezra Miller's cameo, amazing, brilliant. CW finally figured out how to keep a secret. However, everything else that happened was ridiculous. I just, I could not believe. And and then listening to Steven's interview, I was like, yeah, I would be pissed off and on the brink of a breakdown too. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally the character who started it all is going to die in this thing. And it's not, it's not an emotional gut punch. It is just, I was, I just, I, I, I could not get over it. 
And, and I did have a legitimate reason not to be here last week, but I also, I really was not in a place where I could talk about it coherently, no much less not just cursing and saying, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is yeah. just garbage, guys. This is really bad and shouldn't, no, 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 no. Maybe because we were spoiled by the last two crossovers. Yeah, yeah. It just, it felt really sloppy, really sloppy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it was the worst crossover, for me, at least. But, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, it wasn't. I mean, EarthX to me is still the the gold standard as far as their their crossover events. Oh, really? I do Elseworlds. I really liked Elseworlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elseworlds, Elseworlds was number two. Invasion, yeah. Invasion three. Um, and I guess yeah, and I guess I guess Invasion and 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 Crisis rank about are tied for me. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know what? I'll put even the original, the original crossover between Arrow and Flash. Mm-hmm. There, there, yeah. At the time, and in comparison to the others that have now aired, very minor, very small, but still important for how this whole thing evolves, right? Yeah, right. And just and really sets a tone, sets a pace, and even. The, the aliens, I mean, you, you add another show or another two shows and there's something, there's momentum there. And, um, it just, I just, I, I don't remember. Well, maybe I, I get angry at these shows all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) I was, I just could not believe how there was all this buildup for Barry being in in the speed force and using the speed force to save the day. And that third hour, all I saw was a bunch of people who land in these different places throughout arrow history. Mm-hmm. And then two seconds later, they're all picked up and I'm like, wait, wait a second. R- really? They- yeah. And it See, just felt so wrong. Yeah. See, I, for, as far as the final two hours, I, 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 I like the fourth hour. I felt and I said this before, and I, I'll, st- I'll stand by it. I feel still think that fourth hour, for me at least, was, and may- maybe it was the Ezra Miller, but it, it, it stands out for me as some of uh, the, you know, my favorite hours of, of Arrowverse television. And so I, I but I, I told, but I totally can get where you were completely let down. And yes, the death scene could have been. Wait. He wasn't in that. He wasn't in the fourth hour. He yeah, was so, in the third hour. No, he was in the fourth hour. John Wesley Ship was in the third hour. Earth Earth ninety Barry was the third hour. See, was, and this is why it's a bad crossover. <laughs> you didn't get the hours correct. <laughs> you were just that. You were just. I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe give the maybe watch it again whenever you've had some space oh, from I it. Because there was five hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot one of the hours. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So go back in time. Yeah. (laughs) When I said third, I meant fourth. Anyways, no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to get that off my chest that I really was kind of underwhelmed. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think. I mean, I think you're not alone in that. In that. In that feeling. And as you know, and we and we just, as we discussed this evening, no, it wasn't the it wasn't the best of the of the crossover events. It was definitely the most ambitious one. But um, but yeah, it, it definitely had its had its problems, and and it also had its high points as well. Did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean. That that fifth hour, please, you just delete that from all of television because really, post crisis and the true fifth hours is what we got this week in yeah. across the Arrowverse shows. Now, we watched Supergirl this week, yes, which we did. Was so funny because as soon as I started watching it, I went to. To send you a message that you had already sent me where we both <laughs> wanted to tell each other you better check out Supergirl and I'm so glad I did 
this show is back. It is. I am on board. I'm not going to watch the other episodes because they're irrelevant in my mind at this point. We have Lex. We yes. have team ups happening, and and multiple brainies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah, and that was yeah. It's funny. I the only place I think we sent the same message to each other. And one thing that that they should leave in five A is this mm-hmm. whole Lena Cara, Cara thing. It just okay. She remembers. She hates her. And let's keep on moving forward because. Yeah, the 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 Brainiac story. This was just I I love that this that this week uh, for various reasons. One, uh, just the multiple Brainies. Two, the the tie-ins that we learned from Krypton. Rest in peace. That show and and the the, the Brainiac legacy that was brought forward in this episode with the with the uh, inhibitors I mean it was just so I, I just it was just I just really really enjoyed this week's episode yeah I this they utilized crisis mm-hmm. to really kick off the second half of their season right the course and people who liked the previous season, suddenly you're back in. Because suddenly it feels more connected. And I understand because there's a lot of Leviathan talk. Mm. And so so I get why the first half of the season went the way it did. Because they needed it. They needed a mystery to put Kara in this place and then to be able to to create this need for a Kara-Lex partnership to occur. So, so, so I, I am noticing that Supergirl, although not always consistent, they, they do play a good game of chess. They do. With their characters, they understand the tools that they have, and they're not afraid to bring it out. I mean, heck, geez, we have Alex in a Kryptonian suit. Yeah. Right? All over social media. Who says they're not going to suddenly be like, wait, wait, Supergirl's back? Okay. Jumping in now, <laughs> you can get that and Lex Luthor back, and and everyone and in this new world that's being created. So so I like that. Like yeah. this is this is brilliant, and I and I get it. It's ironic because it took it took those five hours of TV of my life to get here, but I'm glad we're here, and I'm glad that Supergirl is gonna fingers yeah. crossed have fingers a really crossed. good second half. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. The how they tied everything together, and uh, John Cryer as, as Lex has just been amazing, and that was one of the standouts from the Crisis, and for me, and and also last season. And I'm so glad that they're carrying that forward. The the, the, the Man of Tomorrow Award, and how uh, how he is he is evil. He, he is. Great guy, Lex, to everyone else, but you know, Kara and the rest of the team knows this guy's a snake, and and I, and also the how both he and Lena both at their core have the same issue of just not wanting to be alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just a great moment of just character development for both of them, and really explain it, and really explains, you know. I have issues with them belaboring the Kara Lena storyline, but really, but it does bring it forward as far as why this, the betrayal of them keeping the secret from her for so many years, you know, resonates so much and, and, and the angst that she has and, and, and also, you know, Lex's need for control and domination. So, and, and so th- those were those were those character moments that I, I that I remember from season four that I liked mm-hmm. that got me hooked back into the show, and I'm glad they're bringing those forward w- with yep. the post crisis world. And then they they do, and when when you know you're watching an Arrowverse show that real or an Arrowverse an Arrowverse episode that really works, the last two minutes 
totally makes you prepared and want to skip forward to next week. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did in this episode because you have Brainy getting into an alliance with Lex and then finding out that Wynn is back, kind of, you know? So I like it. Like, it goes back to what I said about chess. They know who they have in available to utilize if they need to, to call in the player. So so I like that. And that's what I've noticed. The episodes that really stuck out to me, besides um, this one, was also Batwoman. Because they did a very similar thing mm-hmm. where you're, you're watching an episode and it feels consistent. This episode, although it had that special finesse of being a post-crisis episode, it still felt very Supergirl. You know, yeah. It didn't feel like we were watching another version, <laughs> Arrow, of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it felt like no, no. This is this is our reality. Everything that's happening, the decisions that are made, fall in line with the characters we know. And Batwoman too. Mm-hmm. And Batwoman, you know, I'm in a few months. I'm going to need an Arrow replacement. Thank God for Kate Kane. Yeah. Because this this show, it started off slow. It started off predictable. But it keeps so on course right now. And I like it. They even managed to bring Alice in that dynamic. And it didn't feel repetitious for me. I actually liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Uh Batwoman, as I, I messaged you this week, it, it definitely has, it It feels like, even with still working through their issues with dialogue, but but at least theme and storyline-wise, they, they, they know what they're doing, it is, it's building, it's, trying, it's starting to distinguish itself from the rest of its Arrowverse cousins, mm-hmm. and, 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 Ruby really seems to be getting more in tune with Kate as a character. I mean, she really, I don't know if it's better direction that she's getting or she's just, you know, maybe uh, some of the lessons she learned from crisis, even though this episode really didn't go as, as as deep as Supergirl did with the, with the world changing other than the moment that we'll talk. Yeah. Yeah, other than Beth at the end. Damn it, Will! <laughs> Think about it. No, you're, you're, you're right. And that's what I liked about this episode, um, which separates itself from both Arrow and Supergirl this week, is where you you got a hint of it at the end. And I think they did that strategically mm-hmm. because Almost there was about halfway through the episode, I was thinking to myself, what? Why is she acting like crisis didn't happen? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what? What's going on here? But at the same time, because they left the show on such a high, mm-hmm. such an emotional point of disarray and, and a brilliant hour of TV, might I add, you, it almost was like, no, 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 I'm not going to worry about that because they're continuing the story they set out to, to tell prior to all of this crisis chaos. Yep. So, so I respected that. And then at the end, and the way they utilized it, because you didn't see it coming, and you also like, and Mary was so integral to pulling that off. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because the whole time, you get it. You get her psychological state. She, that's where we left her to begin with. Her mm-hmm. world hasn't changed. Exactly. And everyone's thinking she's crazy. Even us, to an extent, where we're like, what's going on here? Yep. And, and you don't even think about, well, crisis just happened. There are multiple brainies. What else could change? And so having Beth come in, especially because... There is that important confrontation between Kate and Alice, where yeah. Kate makes it very clear: "You are not my sister." Yep, yeah, that's 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 was the great setup for that moment at the end of the episode. Because without that her, that confrontation there in the in the school, yeah, then none of that would have worked at the end. 
Right, right. And to go to your point about how Ruby has improved, they went so meta with what they were doing in terms of villain of the week and Mm -hmm. quotation marks around that because there really isn't a villain. There is more of a revelation of the week for Kate Kane. I think that's why. I think she's... There's a reason why she's sought after this role, why everyone praised the casting despite might you may what you might think about her acting skills. So there's a lot on her shoulders, and I appreciate how the writers are actually writing in that way. Yeah. Or or towards that, towards that, um, to really make it kind of balance out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. It it really and like as I as I mentioned to you, I mean it really from you know when we first started talking about the show I guess back in October to now uh, I mean I just you know I've said it before on the podcast and 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 with you you know in between shows how she's feeling more and more comfortable with the character and maybe and maybe it's just me as a viewer I I I'm feeling more comfortable with the character uh, and 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 so it's it's maybe it's just this this we're growing together Right, and 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 that's and, and and that's really what you want, I think, as as a show, to is to connect with with your audience, and I, and I'm I'm finding myself connecting with with Kate Kane and and by extension Ruby Rose. So, you know, so if so for, to me that that is a success that this show has been able to achieve so far, even though they have very bad dialogue at times. That does kind of like make you great but that's the reverse yeah yeah i mean we we watched crisis so yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah the details the details no i i just i really liked it and and you're right i i do agree introducing a new character into this universe is very hard because any viewer is constantly comparing you to the ones that they have been with for mm-hmm. years, years mm-hmm. now, these shows yeah. on the ground. And, and maybe that's why the backdoor pilot for the Canary Show didn't work. Or maybe because the Canary Show is just stupid, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I, I watched it, Well, I really watched it. And you know me, I will skip things. I know you like, will. Right, I do not yeah. like wasting my time. I watched the full 43 minutes. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? First of all, you will not get viewers unless you address the Felicity smoke in the room. <laughs> Where the heck is she? There was no mention. And it just really bothered me because I'm like, really? She's celebrating her graduation. Her mom isn't there. Like, what does that mean? What's going on here? And it's just, and um, honestly, and this is something that bothered me a little bit about Supergirl and and a, a lot about Arrow this week. And I don't know your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. I really don't like this MacGuffin of John Jones. He, you get your memory back and you get your memory back and you get your memory back. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And Cisco, Cisco is a part of it and we don't even see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess, yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess they they had to do something to for I guess the key characters to I guess integrate them back into the story so they can tell. Hopefully, well, continue once they threads they had before and and then build build on new ones, but. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is distracting, um, and uh, basically the explanation: well, everybody's brains will melt if we try to restore everyone. Yeah. Uh, well. Well, how, how, what's the limit? You're putting yeah. What's people, the limit? Twenty yeah. people. I, yeah. I don't. At least, at least with Lena, at least it was a backdoor deal with the monitor that she made that we didn't see off screen. But you know, there at least it's that. But. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's just. That bothered me. Another thing where very short string that they're trying to pull on to make this make sense. 
So, so they talk about bad dialogue. So I guess Dinah is woke up in 2040 mm -hmm. after Oliver's funeral. Mm -hmm. Whenever that was, because we've seen the production photos. Right. And then Laurel is not from 2040, but from 2041. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to go back and watch. I thought she was Laurel from present day. And See? somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I have to go back and watch that again. Because, yeah, I thought she was Laurel from present day that somehow. And apparently. Apparently. Laurel's story, as far as why she was in 2040, apparently gets explained next week during the finale. So, so, so hopefully we'll get an explanation for that piece or if it gets picked up for series, why the timeline worked this particular way for her to get transported to, to the future. So, um, oh, no, this is, this is what leads yeah. a lead character on a show for eight seasons to have a mental breakdown, this kind of, well, it would have made a lot more sense had the finale episode actually been aired as the ninth episode. And then they yeah. could have ran off of this bear. Yeah. Or just, yeah, or just, just did a, just a clean backdoor pilot without, or clean pilot without, you know, using, without finishing out the current storyline uh, with the, with the, with the no base pilot. show. Yeah. Yeah. We're going straight to series, but assuming it gets picked up. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I actually liked it. Will, you're killing me. Like, <laughs> can you not like something right now? Can you please share in my anger towards someone? Yeah, well, I knew, I, yeah, I knew. I, I put the p p question out to our, to our listeners on our social media. And, and I know a couple, like, uh, at Betty, Aunt Betty Taylor was like hard pass. And know Veronica and Tasha last week were kind of, you know, not, not fans. Um, I know an, another, uh, listener, Sarah Holiday basically said she, she is, I guess, reserving judgment, but was concerned to be too much girl power. So, but I, I mean, I didn't thought, I guess, see, I, I, I'm putting myself in your shoes. If they did this with like the flash, then I'd probably be like where you are right now. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that, in that I've always had more loyalty to The Flash than you have, arguably. But it just, and, and so yeah, and and you do get angry when they do kind of arrowish, loose, <laughs> <laughs> loose explanation yeah. on The Flash. So yeah, yeah. wait until February and then you'll be as angry as I am. I'm sure they'll do I something. They'll do something. They'll do something that I will not agree with, and I'll be yeah, I'll be spitting. I'll be dropping f bombs like Stephen was on the on the Michaels podcast. But you know, I I I, I think for me, and, and and because I I mean I I I really like Arrow, and I I tried to keep an open mind with this to say okay, let's see how this show does a break from the source, from from the base show. And so, I, I know it was a backdoor pilot. You only have 43 minutes, so they could only do so much exposition as far as getting Mia up to speed in, into the Green Arrow mode. I actually like the fact that they placed her in in a world where she didn't have the memories of what happened in 2019 or 2020. Right. And, and so, and and she's she's basically had come to terms with the the fact that her father died a hero and mm -hmm. because of that heroic death you know and she had i mean she she the, obviously the shadow of oliver queen was over her but it, it wasn't like she had this, this this shadow that she had to go out and become a vigilante she mm. was she and then she was, they gave her back her memories <laughs> and, she, and then they gave her back her memories but 
Yeah, so you know, so I think they were trying to you know show a little difference in in her in her life, and and I think they also respected Oliver's memory in the sense that his this world and universe that he had created was crime free, and he 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 did have a his uh, intact legacy. So so those were all sort of structural things that I liked. I mean, uh, and also they like a good pilot especially for a person who may have just parachuted in on this series that doesn't have the deep legacy of Arrow like you do. Um, Expanding Dinah's backstory a little bit and, and, you know, it's just little nice touches where she was just like, you know, clean slate. And yeah, I have all this baggage from before, but you know what? I got a second chance, and I and what she did with it was, you know, she she opened up a bar and she was just, you know, having just having a good life until Laurel comes up and screws up everything for everyone again. So, thank you, thank you. She really did. She really screwed up everything for everyone. And and I understand what you're saying, and I do agree. I think they set it up a very good way of in this reality. She, Mia Queen is a socialite. Yeah. She does. Her, she lost her dad. Apparently, no one cares where Felicity is because there's no mention. So we can only assume that she's alive, I guess. But there was a lot of emphasis on Oliver being dead. So, so she's very much her her dad's daughter, and she's a socialite, and she doesn't really have plans, and she's in this bubble. And the world comes crumbling down because she gets her memories back. Memories that are very tragic. Which makes me think... (sighs) I hate predicting the future, but I think I'm pretty spot on here. Just like how five years on an island was used. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The the past will be kind of her purgatory, which... um, And it's kind of two people now, because J.J., also, his his whole character changed in this reality, and at the end, he remembers. And so, I think between the two of them, mm-hmm. and and I do like those decisions, but there's the I'm I'm with Stephen on this. I'm done. I'm done with this show. I'm done with mm-hmm. Star City. I I am here to finish out the show that I started. Yeah. And and you know what? If you tell me a year from now, Green Arrow and the Canarias is the best Arrowverse show currently airing, I'll jump on. I'll check it out. I'm not gonna start to. I'm not gonna because I'm just I'm kind of at a point where th- this is unnecessary. It yeah. is very unnecessary. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've you could definitely make that point that. The show Arrow is Arrow 2.0. I mean, because I mean, everyone's pretty much there as far as structure. I mean, there's there's all there's a there's a there's a Green Arrow. There's the Canaries. The Diggles are around as far as JJ and and John. Um, you know, so Diggs himself and Lila could easily show up in a guest guest shot. So it, it, it's going to have to. I think they laid some, the groundwork to be able to use it as a springboard for new stories instead of it being a continuation of the original story. So, so I, I think there's enough there for them to do that. If, if it gets picked up the series and, and apparently it did very well in the ratings. It was what the, I guess, highest non crossover arrow show this year, well, this season. So oh, I was going to say 2020 just, yeah, speaking. well, yeah, this, this season, this season, so, so uh, you know, that could you know the the interest was definitely there, for sure. I get it, Will. I get it. I yeah. am wrong. You are always right because you're I'm so not optimistic, and you have you're you're wasting time talking about the canaries when you could be bringing everyone up to speed on Black Lightning. Oh, I don't yes. know what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get to the let's get to the another show that uh, last thing I'll say about it. You know, I'll give it a shot if it gets picked up for series. So, Black Lightning, mm-hmm. another show that um, had actually learned that we actually had both Jefferson and Jennifer in the pocket. Well, Jefferson obviously was with our heroes in 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 the crisis, but Jennifer somehow ended up in a pocket universe of her own. 
and um, and then we Jefferson comes back and he's so excited to tell Gamby that Superman is real and which was really it was, it was a pretty dope moment because it was like oh it was finally integrating this show into the rest of the Arrowverse and it did it in the first five minutes or so and then they got back to like like Batwoman got back to the story that was being told uh, prior to Crisis which is still the occupation of Friedland. Uh, there were a couple things that I did really like about this episode was that um, Lynn, the whole—I don't like it in the sense that I hate this is happening to Lynn, but the green Lynn is is clearly a green light junkie. Um, she to the point where she one of the very key scenes in the episode was Jefferson. Uh, confronting her about about the addiction, and I mean, she was like like he found like a packet, green light packet. She was he tossed it down the toilet, and she was like actually reaching into the toilet to get it. And oh. so, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like straight up hard hardcore addicted to this stuff. That if uh, just to bring folks up, if you haven't watched Black Lightning, so if you remember Agent Odell, he's the ASA liaison in in Friedland, and he had been he had been basically feeding this stuff to her uh, to, to get her addicted to it because uh, she was just working so hard to like work on the green light kids. So there was a really key moment with with the, the between Jefferson and, and and Lynn where. You know, she, he was like, look, you're addicted. And she's like, and you're not, you know, you're addicted to your powers. And he's like, no, this is it's different. And then, of course, Henderson calls to, like, say, hey, we need you, like, now. And so he had to make a choice to either, you know, stay there and try to deal with, with Lynn or or go and, and, and fight with the, against the, in the resistance with, with Henderson. So, of course, he goes because he didn't want those folks to get hurt. So it, it was just a really, you know, it, it was it was a what you know after you know, Jefferson being on this real big high of like hey there's a large universe Superman exists and everything, back to getting back to the groundedness of of Black Lightning and some of the issues that are dealing with the Freedland I thought was, um I, I you know I thought it was a, a real good you know here dilemma that he was having to having to deal with there so. I, I really enjoyed the episode this week. Jennifer is really showing how she's probably the strongest character as far as powers in the group. I mean, she's like learning how to phase. I mean, it's just really carrying store for the story with the, with, with the resistance and how Jefferson and the rest of the, and the rest of his family is going to have to, you know, basically defeat the ASA. And uh, the other thing with Jennifer is she has had, major bloodlust to kill Odell for, for basically using her uh, over the last few months. But Jefferson and, and, and Gamby were like, no, 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 look, you know, he gave you this suit. Don't you think there's like some techie here to like keep you under control? And so, uh, you know, so th- they definitely picked up from where they left off pre-crisis, but acknowledged the crisis and then picked up on the storylines that they have, have in the series right now. So I, I really need for you to watch the show, Sarah, because, there's a lot of good stuff going on in it that uh, will fill your arrow, that can fill the arrow void. I know, I know. Um, it, it's it's on my list. Um, yeah. You know, you also know that sometimes if I fall off, it's really hard. And yeah. um, I woke up this week, Will. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't wake up randomly in 2040, but I woke up to the realization that I actually have to write a huge paper this yeah. week. Semester. I know, I know. Um, and and so this weekend I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I suddenly have something to do and and everything I, I got I created such a bad habit, but it is on my list. Um I yeah. thank you for reminding us about this show and it's part of the Arrowverse and it is telling great stories. And if you haven't watched it at all, please seasons one and two are are good. It, it sets a pace, and it's probably why season three, from what Will tells us all the time, is is really on um, a, a, a very good path. So, so it's just it's good to know that you know 
majority of the shows that returned post-crisis they're they're back you they're know back. yeah yeah despite what i said about arrow i am i'm ready for it to be in like i'm ready for it but i'm also i want to see that finale i want to see what they do i want to see how they screw it up and um and just closure you know so and more importantly i'm flash i just saw diggle of a picture of diggle iris and barry yeah and this that's that's great that's great yeah <laughs> well apparently yeah, it, we need to it, wrap the show <laughs> yeah we need to wrap the show but yeah you're right i i, I hope hopefully the get we'll finally get a final ending to arrow uh because it feels like we've <laughs> we've had now what three, four <laughs> endings to Oliver's stories, but now we'll officially close it out. And uh, like you, I am looking, hopefully they stick the landing with, with ending the series. I think, uh, you know, this will be the first time we've had an Arrowverse show actually end. So yeah, hopefully they stick the landing and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the flash returning on February 4th. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us tonight. Um, will, where can our listeners find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can find me at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T, M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew at Seated Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.